0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. Thank you very much. Although you don't mind if I take the mic out, do you? I walk around a little bit. Oh, it's deep. Okay. They want to keep me in one spot. My name is Rabbi Wallerstein. Um, Actually know the West Side very well. My grandmother, Olav Shalom, and my grandfather lived on 98th Street between West End and Broadway. And um, as a child, I spent a lot, a lot of time on the West Side. Uh, They davened, some of the shuls that they davened in don't exist anymore. Rabbi Steinberg's shul, which was on Broadway. um, We davened in Chalpetz Chaim. I used to come here once in a while to daven. So um, it's sort of like being a little bit at home I was definitely a very different person When I used to come to the west side as a kid um, I'm not going to go into my whole history But um, it's, it's a big schutz to come back to the west side And to give a share Nobody would have ever dreamt When I was here as a kid That I would be giving a share That, I could, that much I could tell you about myself So my job Erev Rosh Hashanah We know that on Rosh Hashanah there are three kinds of people. There's the tzaddik, who's written the chayim for life, for a good year. There's the roshah, chas v'shalom, who is written for malvest, for death and not a good year. And there's the benini, the person that's hanging in the middle. If I go told to to make sure that I hand over all of you next week before Yom Kippur, that he doesn't have to do too much work, that you're already in the book of tzaddikim. So my job here tonight is to get you into that book of Tzadikim. Actually, it's your job. So let's start off with tomorrow night, Rosh Hashanah. Very interesting evening tomorrow night, Rosh Hashanah. Everybody's in shul, and we all wish. Thank you very much, Rabbi. We all wish each other Shana Tova, a good year. You should be written. Come home. We 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 wish our wives and our children a Shana Tova. Then we come to the table, and there's the simone de milsa they're called, the, the signs, the things that we do, Rosh Hashanah and night, every little kid, I was in Yeshiva this morning, Baruch Hashem, I was with, in, with the kindergarten kids, and they were all singing, dip the apple and the honey, you all know that. As you get older, the song changes, when you're young, it's dip the apple and the honey, make a bracha. you get older, it's dip the, it's dip the apple in the honey, I want to make a lot of money. It depends, you know, what age group you're in, but they're still singing, Dip the apple and the honey So we go We come home We make Kiddush Then we take an apple And we dip it in the honey And we make a boy for your eights, And we say hi, ratzen. Ratzen, Hashem al-keinu al-keinu. It should be the will before you My God and the God of my forefathers Shit Shana You should give us a new year A good year and a sweet year Does anyone in this room know how that works? A whole year, you did every sin that you could possibly do. You are so... I'm not talking to anyone here. Just give you an example. You are so bad, rotten to the core. You haven't done a good thing a whole year. You come home. You take an apple. You dip it in honey. And you say, Hashem... I want to have a good year next year. You know why? Not because I'm doing tshuva. Not because I feel bad. Not because I'm going to stay up the whole night crying about what I did. No! Because I dipped an apple in the honey. That would make life much easier if we could do this every day. Come home, do whatever you want. Before you go to sleep, dip the apple in the honey say, Hashem, Yirat you should give me a good year and a good day and a good week. How does this work? We're doing this since we're little kids. Does anyone in this room ever think, how does this work? Because I dipped an apple in the honey. Hashem's going to give me a, a sweet new year. Doesn't it have to do with my averos and my mitzvos? And there's a whole judgment? Alright, onward. So if that works, we take out sweet carrots. I don't know how many svar, last night I gave a shir in Queens, Bukhari and Shul. So we're talking about eating the head of the lamb. Instead of eating the head of the fish, okay, it depends on, on what, your, what, your, what your minhag is. But the minhag is, right, we all do this, some of us do it, we eat sweet carrots, sweet carrots, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my mother, my mother-in-law, they all make sweet carrots for Rosh Hashanah, right? Okay, I forgot to turn my phone off, you can't talk about fo- cell phones tonight, I was going to let you have it about cell phones, but if my phone's ringing, I mean, don't, don't talk to them about cell phones. All right, we won't. So, why do we eat sweet carrots? Because the, the Shulchan Aruch, talking Shulchan Aruch now, says that a carrot is called "merin." In Yiddish, it's called "merin." "Merin" means to multiply. So, we eat sweet carrots. says this because in Yiddish it means multiply. So, what do we say to Hashem? I'm eating a sweet carrot our merits should increase go do a mitzvah go say something to him because you're eating a carrot oh she's eating a carrot okay let's put a couple of malachim on her good side how does zuchuyoseinu the merits multiply because you're eating a carrot that in Yiddish means merin which means more how does this work? Why does this work? Onward! I'm not going to go through all of them. Cabbage, shekhusa seneinu, beets, with yvainu. Pomegranates. We eat pomegranates it has 613 seeds. Every kid tries to count it. You get so messed up by the third seed. You ready? Stop counting, right? is kirima and I haven't done a mitzvah all year. But guess what? Tonight I'm eating a whole pomegranate? So you should give me 613 mitzvahs? Like it's 613 seeds in a pomegranate. Beautiful. Guys, let's forget about putting on tillin and tzitzes and doing any mitzvahs and keeping Shabbos. Let's just eat pomegranates. And every morning we'll wake up, we'll eat a whole pomegranate and say, Hashem, 613 seeds, 613 mitzvahs. Beautiful. And on the scariest, most awesome day of the whole year, instead of doing tshuva... The rabbis say, no, 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 go home. Dip the apple and the honey. Eat your pomegranates. Eat your carrots. Then comes the favorite part. Get yourself the head of a fish. Where everyone sitting around the table goes, ooh, right? Ooh, look at that. The fish is looking at me. You know, all the kids get scared, right? The head of a fish. Take a little piece of the head of the fish. Eat it. And say, this year, I should be at the head. Not at the tail. Because you ate a piece of the head of a fish. I think everyone in this room got the question. What is going on on Rosh Hashanah night? And it's much deeper than we think. Next question. I'm going to answer all my questions with one answer. Next question. Why an apple? An apple is not one of the shiva and one of the seven special fruits of Israel. So if I'm going to sit on Rosh Hashanah and I'm going to take out a fruit, shouldn't I take out one of the seven fruits of Israel Aren't those the seven? Those are the seven holy fruits. An apple is not in there. Take out a date, take out a fig. Why do you take out an apple? And where do you dip this apple? You dip it in honey. Because honey is sweet. Dip it in sugar. Why honey? And if you're going to tell me that Divash is the gematria of Avharachamin, my father who has pity, that's why we use Divash. That's what the Shulchan Aruch says. It's it's Avharachamin. So if that's the case, then why don't they use what really Dvash is? It says, Eretz, Dvash, Chalavu, Dvash. The Dvash that the Torah talks about is not bees honey. The Dvash that the Torah talks about is date honey. So if I'm going to use Dvash because of this gematria, then I should use the Dvash that the Torah tells me about. The Dvash is date honey, not bees honey. So we sit there tomorrow night and we're dipping an apple. We have no idea why we're dipping an apple. And we're dipping it into honey and we have no idea why we're dipping it into honey. If it's going to be honey, it should be date honey, not bees honey. And this is a minog that's like a halacha. You ask somebody, what's Rosh Hashanah? They tell you, apple and honey and shofar. Pretty much equal. Ask any kid, anyone that's growing up, you have to have have an apple. I walked, I was in Barnum Park today, they had crates, crates in front of the food stores. Crates with hundreds of apples in them. So that's the big seller So what is really going on here? We're going to answer it With a different question So in the Chumash of is What we call a contradiction Which is called in Hebrew a stira. In the beginning of the world When Hashem created the world So on the third day It says the following I'm sure it bothered everybody when they learned it last year and this year you have an answer It's Hashem. It <laughs> says the Father. What Hashem created on the third day, Yom Hashem said, Tatseh arish Deshe." the world should give vegetation. Asa Masri Azera grass, the plants that have seeds. Eish pri, pri, trees that give fruit. They themselves will be the fruit. And the Torah tells us, Hashem commanded it, at the moment that God commanded something, it happened in the same moment. Therefore, the land gave out vegetation. Beautiful. Everything Hashem said happened. So you ask any kid who learned Boratius, or anyone that learned Boratius, when were trees created? When were, was the grass created? When were the roses created? When were they created? They were created on the third day. We all know that. But there's a little bit of a problem. After we say, And the world is finished and created, all of a sudden, the Torah tells us the following. This is the sixth day we're talking about. We're talking about after Adam was created. Actually, right before Adam was created, on the sixth day. And the Torah tells us total conflict. The Torah tells us, There was nothing growing. There was nothing on the land. And all the grass in the field, it didn't blossom. Why, says the Torah? Because Hashem had not brought rain to the world. And man wasn't here to work the ground. Double question. One, you just told me that grass and everything was created on the third day. Now you tell me that oh, there's nothing going on on the sixth day. There's no grass, there's no plants, there's no trees. Make up your mind. If it was created on the third day. It says, desha." It's a verb. The land gave out vegetation. That's what it said on the third day. Now you're telling me, There was no vegetation in the land. That's question number one. Question number two is, What do you mean, there was no man to work the ground Man wasn't supposed to work the ground Man only got the curse to work the ground After he ate from the eights So what are you telling me over here? Oh, there was no man to work the ground Man wasn't supposed to work the ground So Rashi, who you can't learn how much that, Rashi Answers the following And this is my shir tonight Rashi says the following he asked the question. I die in Light it didn't grow yet. Uvashlishi, but on the third day it says it says the land gave out grass, gave out vegetation. So Rashi says a very big chidush... And he says, very interesting, he says, Ella to tell us, Al Pesach Karka Omdu Shishi. On the third day everything grew to the surface. In other words, all the trees, all the flowers, all the grass everything grew everything pushed pushed, 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 pushed pushed, till it got to the surface of the world of the ground and there it stopped dead so when it says on the third day that everything grew it grew till the surface but it didn't break surface on the sixth day when the Torah tells us there was no vegetation in the world it means there was no vegetation above the surface of the world why? because it didn't rain why did not it rain? because there was no human Says Rashi, the, says Rashi the following. Why didn't it rain? And because there was no man to work. The aim, and there was no one here to be to be thankful for rain. When the human being came to the world, and he realized that there's nothing going on here and the world needs rain He and the rain came down but Lano, it's Shon, and everything grew so in simple words that Rashi is saying over here is that the potential I don't really need a mic I don't usually use a mic <laughs> the potential of the whole earth was there until man came to the world And when man came to the world, that's when the potential was realized. Until then, God's world that he created had no growth. It was a a world that was only to the surface. To bring it from the surface to the world, Hashem needed man. What does it mean Hashem needed man? He needed a bunch of people walking away, walking around and saying, Thank you, Hashem needs thank you. No. That's happy God doesn't need anyone's thank you. It's not why He created the world. He created the world to give. He's a being that needs to give, that wants to give. And there was no one to give until He created the world. And therefore, the connection, and this is what Rosh Hashanah is about. The connection between a human being and God is Hakoras Hatov is appreciating what Hashem gave us. but until then, there is nothing that can break the surface. So Hashem said, i got to wait till man is in, is in creation. And when man was created, the world was a desert. Adam woke up. Everything was underneath the surface. He was looking at the Sahara Desert. And he said, Hashem, we need rain. We need things to grow. He was Mispalel. He connected to Hashem. And Hashem brought rain. And within one second, all the vegetation that you see in this world, all the mountains, all the forest, all the greenage, all the flowers, all the trees, in one second, all of them did was daven. And in one second, a drop of rain hit the ground and everything was there. Everything was underneath the ground. Boom. If you can imagine in your head, a, a world looking at a globe with nothing green. And a second later, everything's here. And what, it, what did it take? It took the human being... To have a koresh ato. If you don't have a koresh ato, there's no beginning, there's nothing. There's no connection whatsoever. And that's what Rashi says. And therefore, when the Torah says, There was no man to work the ground. It didn't mean a man to go shovel and water and irrigate and seed. When Hashem created the world for us to work the ground, all we needed to do was say thank you, says Rashi. The man wasn't here to work the ground. The avoda. What's our avoda today? Avoda is tzvila. The avoda of the man, of the human, was to be mispalel to bring the potential to its fruition. And that's the whole thing. And that's our karsah And that's why we're all here. That's why the human being is on this world. We are here To bring the potential of the world to fruition. We are partners with Hashem. Hashem said, nothing breaks the surface till human beings are on this world. And they pray and they're connected to me. Otherwise, I don't need this world. For animals to be thankful. For butterflies to be thankful. For fish to be thankful. That's not why I created the world. I created the world because I want to be connected to man. I want to give him. How do I connect to man? Through prayer, through saying thank you. The greatest connection is a thank you. Even when you don't need it. Even when you, my mother taught me to say thank you to everybody. To anybody. Say thank you to the guy, the waiter who's getting paid. Today's generation have these crazy things in their head. We don't have to say thank you. They're getting paid for that. I tell my 8th graders, clean off the lunchroom when you, when you finish eating. Clean up what you ate. And they look at me like I'm nuts. What do you mean we have a janitor? He gets paid for that. So he gets paid for that. So at least if, he does, if you're not going to clean any cleans, go over to the man and say, thank you very much that you cleaned up the lunchroom. Thank you that you cleaned my, my classroom yesterday, that I could walk into a clean classroom. My class looks at me and they say, Rabbi, uh, what generation are you from? You're a fossil. <laughs> this generation doesn't understand. That's the breakdown of our whole generation. It's because there's no hakar satov to our parents. There's no hakar satov to our teachers. There's no hakar to anybody. The whole world owes me. It's all about me. Everybody owes me. And that is the destruction of a connection between, not you think it's between you and your parents. Kibut of the aim is <laughs> l'mayin yirichun yom mecha. Not to make your parents' life easier, they should live longer. That's not what the Torah says. The Torah says that you should live longer. Why? Because the whole reason you are in this world is to be connected to God and to make this world a better place. And if you're disconnected from someone that diapered you and burped you and took you to the doctor and stayed up all night, and this person's in front of you, and you see them and you feel them, and you don't appreciate them, how are you going to appreciate a God that you don't see? So Kosh Baruch Hu says, Keep it of the aim it has to be in the first five of the Ten Commandments, because it's going to end up if you don't take, if you don't have a curse to tell, if you don't appreciate your parents. It's going to end up you don't appreciate me. So it doesn't go in the five between a person and a person. It goes in the five between me and you. So what's the what's the what's the breakdown in our generation that everyone's so far from God? What's the breakdown? First we lost God, or first we lost our parents. First we lost our parents." Not first we lost God. A child that has no hakarsatot for their parents or their teachers or when people do, do things for them, how are you going to be connected to God? The minute God does something you don't like, it's over. Your relationship is over. You do what you give me what I need. I pray and it shows up. God, you're good. Yeah, every parent is not the, I'm a parent. I'm not the perfect parent. We make mistakes. But you have to focus on what the person does good for you, not on when the person does bad for you. What kind of marriage would that be? I always, when I talk to my to my boys and to the girls about about Shiduchim, so there's two kinds of marriages. One, the guy comes home after a day's work and he says, Oh, Chana, I got to go turn on the game. I got to go sit in my, my easy chair. If you knew what happened in the office today. Oh my goodness, there was a fight and, and, and they blamed it on me and, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep my job, my head oh. Okay, I don't want, keep the kids away from me. I don't want to hear anything. I need quiet. Connor walks in and says, Ha! You think you had a bad day? You know Chaim got kicked out of Yeshiva today? I had to run down to school? I had to wait two hours outside the office? You had a bad day? My day makes your day look like sunshine. And he goes, yeah? I see your day and one. The car was towed. On top of what happened in the office, my car was towed. Ech office towed. Do you know what happened between me and my friend today? We broke up a friendship of twenty years. And here they are, three hours never the guy starving, she's starving, and they're each one arguing, my day was worse. That's one marriage. The second marriage, the guy comes home. No. Oh, you look tired. I'll do supper tonight. I know it's a fantasy. I know, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Okay, 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 girls, all right. I'll buy supper tonight. All right, let's be fair. You look tired. You look like you had a hard day. She's like, no, no, no. You work so hard. You take care of the family. No, no, no. I'm going to make supper. And they argue for three hours. They're still hungry for three hours. They argue. Each one says no, no, I'll do it for you. And the other one says, no, I'll do it for you. So says, that's the perfect marriage. Where each person sees the other person's pain. And I'm going to show you this marriage in the Torah. Everything is in the Torah. A marriage is based on karas HaTov. A good business relationship is based on karas HaTov. Partnerships. I'm a businessman. I teach half a day. I'm in business for 30 years. Partnerships are based on looking at what the other guy does for you most partnerships guys we know don't work because you're always looking at the other guy and saying I'm doing much more than him why should he get half the money? and the other guy's saying I'm the money so he has some brains but I'm the money without the money there's no deal and these partnerships end up falling apart because each one's looking at what I bring to the table They have no across to tell what the other guy is doing any relationship between any relationship and between us and God has to be based on Satov on focusing what the other person does good for us, and that's what and that's what Rashi says. You want something to grow? It can all be there. Your potential. Everyone in this room, many of us, none of us have reached our potential because we're always growing. There's crazy potential. I can't get into tonight. In every Jewish neshama, in every soul in this room, there's crazy potential. If you understood your potential, and I hate that word because my teacher wrote it on the back of my book every single semester. He has great potential, but he's not not up to it. I said, don't write that word anymore. My father opened up a company. What did he he open up? A plastic bag company? Potential Unlimited. That was the name of his company, my Mazda. (laughs) Everything is potential. Everyone in this room has crazy potential. Everyone has trees and flowers and everything at the surface. But to bring it out, there has to be a carcetone. And the Torah goes on, and, and it's the most unbelievable example. Later on, when they eat from the etz Hadas, and this has to do with Rosh Hashanah, believe it or not. We're gonna, we're gonna bring it over. Relax, I see someone like, <laughs> what is he talking about? Okay, listen carefully. They eat from the etz Hadas. What happens? A Kodesh Baruch says to Adam, Where are you? Where is the Adam? Where are you? Do you know where you are? Where are you? Who are you? What did you become? You just did an Avera. You changed. Totally changed. You're not the same person. Ayeka, where are you? So, Adam doesn't want to tell Hashem exactly what happened. says, we're hiding. I heard your voice. I realized I was naked. I got dressed. Hashem says, again, a very important in discipline of children. But I him and parents have to know this It's not right away Let them say what they did wrong Don't walk in and say You did this, you did that Hashem didn't walk in and say Adam, why did you eat from the tree? Where are you? Why are you hiding? How do you know you're hiding? Until he finally gave it up It's much better When you discipline someone And they give it up Than when you accuse them Okay So What does Adam? So Hashem says Right who told you? He asked him as a question. Could it be that you ate from the tree? Nah, you didn't eat from the tree. You wouldn't do something like that. And the Adam said, "Yeah, this is where we started, guys." Not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. That woman. That woman. Interesting word. imadi. And that hurt him a lot. He Okay, fair answer. He said to Hashem, He answered the question. Hashem said, Who gave you tea from the tree? He said, My wife, who you gave me? Right, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't lie. He said the truth. Rashi rips him apart. And Rashi says, that we see from here, Hashem asati imadi, right? Kan the betoivah. Because he said this, he denied good. He's a the betoivah. He's a person who doesn't appreciate anything. Now, if you look at the Pasuk, What did he say? Hashem said, what did you do? You ate from the tree? He said, well, sort of, but it's not my fault. The lady that you gave me, she gave me from the tree. Did he lie? Did he say anything not true? Do you see, do you see Kofor here? He used the word Imadi. Imadi means with me. Why did God create woman? God created woman that man should not be alone. It is not good for a man to be alone, believe it or not not good to be a bachelor not Wallace, Wallstein the Torah says it not good for a man to be alone it's not good for a woman to be alone but the Torah says it's not good for a man to be alone so Hashem said it's not good for them to be alone so I am going to create a woman to be with him imadi. so the whole reason I created the woman is that she shouldn't be lonely that he shouldn't be lonely now he comes back what does he say to Hashem he should have said to Hashem my wife gave me from the tree that would have been fine he didn't say my wife gave me from peace. That woman that you gave her to me that I shouldn't be lonely, look what she did to me. Oh, you're throwing back at me the toy that I did for you? You're a kaufry toy. You're a kaufry toy. Look what's going to happen to him. So he should have just said it was my wife. But instead of saying, listen, Hashem, you gave me a wife. She's wonderful. She's a great girl. I'm not lonely anymore. She talks to me. She's emotional with me. Rashi says, why was the Nachash jealous. He also had a Mrs. Nachash. Why did he want Chava? So Rashi says, because he saw Adam and Chava talking lovingly to each other. And that the Nachash didn't have. So what was he jealous of? Not the physical relationship between Adam and Chava, but the emotional relationship. So here, Adam throws back this emotional relationship back to Hashem and says, look what you did to me. Sort of like you buy your kids, you take them to an ice cream store, you buy him a big ice cream, right? And then he spills the whole thing on his shirt, and you say... What did you do? And he says, I didn't do it, Ma. You did it. She says, What are you talking about? You bought me the ice cream. <laughs> that's a coffee type. Mm. Instead of saying, Ma, I'm sorry, I get messed up, you know, that's what he said. You gave me this woman, and therefore the tyrant says, Rashi says, look what happens to him. Right after that, Hashem curses, he gets cursed. What does Hashem say? Hashem says, listen carefully to what Akkadjbahu says. He says, Number one, you're going to have to work. Hakar Satov makes things grow without work. You don't have Hakar Satov, from now on you're going to have to work. You threw back the woman that I gave you, you threw it back in my face, okay, so that's over. That business of a drop of rain, making everything grow without you working, that's over. You're a Kafri Tov, the connection between us is severed. One. Two, Hashem says to him the following, Ki Afar, you are dirt. They'll offer you and you're going back to dirt. This is not a basketball game. This is not trash talking. God is trash talking other. And you know what you are? You're dirt. And you're always gonna be dirt. You come from dirt, you're going to dirt. This is not how God talks, guys. This is our God, this is our shame talks. What's going on over here? Trash talking other, you're dirt, you're gonna be dirt, you're always dirt. You came from dirt, you're going to dirt. We learned this pasif. Do you understand this? How Hashem talks? And then right after that, he gets, right after this whole thing goes down, that he's cursed, that he's going to die, and he's going to work, Hashem turns to Adam and says, okay, your wife doesn't have a name. Let's give her a name. Now, if my wife did to me what Chaba did to Adam, they would not print the name I would give her in the chumash. <laughs> She she killed him. He was going to live forever. He was going to play golf for the rest of his life, guys. <laughs> Never to work again. Because of her, he's going to work, he's going to sweat, he's going to die. Now you want me to give her a name? Hashem, give me three, four days, i got to calm down. A couple of beers, you know, then I'll give her the name. But right now, I'm not in a good place. And he turns around, Adam, and he says, Chava. And everyone's like, Chava? Why Chava? Ki-eim she's the mother of all life. That's a lie. She's the mother of all death. She brought death into the world. You should have called her Misa Mishuna. <laughs> Chava? ki aim kol chai? She killed everyone. What's going on here? Adam realized he made a very huge mistake. When he, was, when he was when he went against the good that Hashem did for him he realized he made a big mistake Hashem said you're no longer Adam you're no longer the man I created on this world the man that's connected to me the man that brings potential to fruition through Akarsatov you're a Kafu'i Tov you don't appreciate anything therefore you are dirt it wasn't trash talking you're Adam the part of your soul that's that's the holy part of your soul is gone because the person who is kafri tov has no connection and therefore you are dirt you come from dirt, you're going to dirt there's nothing in your life there's no connection, you don't appreciate anything it wasn't a curse it wasn't trash talking, it was a fact and when Adam was called Afar, he realized what did I do? I should have said to Hashem thank you very much she cooks no, well she didn't have to cook, all the food was prepared for them in Gan then she cleaned! No, she doesn't clean. Everything was clean for them and then She's a good partner because I'm not lonely anymore, Hashem. But she made a mistake. Please forgive us both. Says the Medrash they both would have been forgiven, and all of us would have lived forever. There would have been no curse. The whole curse was based on the kufui of Taev. And that's the connection. That's why we're in this world. So Hashem said to Adam, Did you learn a lesson? Listen carefully. Adam was the chuva on the same day. Rosh Hashanah, the sixth day of creation. He sinned and he did chuva. He was created, he sinned and did chuva on the same day. That's why Rosh Hashanah has a lot of holiness in it. It was the beginning of chuva. We we are we're plugged into that. What was his chuva? His chuva was that he called her chabaki kolchai, because he realized don't focus on the bad of the other person focused on the good of the other person. So he said, hold on. She got cursed before me. What's her curse? Her curse is that when she's 13 years old, every month she's going to go through pain. And then when she gives birth, she's going to walk around for nine months. Nine months pregnant. We guys, we wouldn't go through it. We'd go through it once until we find out what it's like. And that would be it. Every family would have one kid if the man had to give birth. <laughs> Trust me. They say kidney stones. I like giving birth. I've had kidney stones. You don't want it to happen again. You're not going through that again. So he said, she got cursed, she's going to go through all this pain. I'm not going to focus that she brought death and destruction into the world. I'm going to focus on the one good thing. She's willing to carry my children. And to go through all this pain, ain't kochai. She's the mother of life, she's going to bring life into the world. Oh, HaKadosh Baruch said, Adam did tshuva, Adam learned, hakaras his wife brought him death, and he's looking at the life part of it? Look at the next pasik. The next, next pasik, Hashem, Hashem said, so now I'm going to show you. You focused on her good even though the reason you're naked and the reason you're cold and the reason you need clothes is because you did this terrible Avera. I'm not going to be angry at you. I'm going to make clothing and I'm going to dress you on that, with that clothing. And the next prophet Hashem says, He became man again. Sukim. No big midrashim here. He became Adam. He's no longer Afar. He's like one of us. Hashem was talking to the Malachim. He understands what Akaras Atoiv is. Look, he called his wife Chavla. He called her Aim Kochai. And that's the connection. Of Rosh Hashanah, you want to get connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It has to start, everybody here, it has to start with HaKadosh Satov. We are the connection between this world and the physical world and the spiritual world. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. And therefore, Rosh Hashanah, it's not Yom Kippur. You should fast the whole day. No. Think about it. Rosh Hashanah, I'm getting judged. They write something bad. Yom Kippur's appeals court Anyone who's a, a lawyer in here knows Appeal score is 10, 8%, 6% You have a very little chance So on Rosh Hashanah We should do all the fasting and stuff Let's get into the book right away Why are we playing games? Because Rosh Hashanah Is the anniversary of the creation of man Man was created That Hashem would do chesed In this world man was created to connect This world with the next world And therefore How do we connect an apple to the next world? How do you go down, out across the street and buy an apple and connect that to the next world? An apple and Hashem? And the answer is you make a boy priya etz. You take this inert thing, this thing has absolutely no spirituality, and you say, Baruch ta'ashem Hashem, al priya 8. And all of a sudden, this apple connects connected to Hashem, and everyone else says, Amen. And Hashem says, That's why I created you. I created you to take an apple and make it spiritual. Therefore, take the apple. Why an apple? Because an apple, it says a human being is considered Eitz HaSada. In Shir Hashirim, Shlomo calls the Eitz HaSada, state Tapuchim. The field, it's brought down in Kabbalah, that Rizal talks a lot about it. State Tapuchim, the, the, the field of apples, and therefore us as human beings are compared to a tree. What kind of tree? An apple tree. Therefore, when you take the apple and you dip it in the honey, you're taking a human being, you're taking yourself, you're taking a physical item, And you're dipping it into sweetness. And you're saying that my life should be dipped into sweetness the whole year. Why honey from a bee? Beautiful terrets. A bee is not kosher. The derivative of anything that isn't kosher is not kosher. Pig's milk is not kosher. A bee is a sherret. It's a bug. You eat it. You have at least 12 ovears. For some reason the bee is the only thing. It doesn't excrete honey. But it gathers honey, and we would think it's in a honeycomb, it's in a beehive. We would think that anything that's so involved with all these bugs, right, wouldn't be kosher. Why is honey kosher? It's against the the main rule of what is kosher and what isn't. Because a bee's whole life is to help the world. It pollinates flowers and fruit trees, and it's busy as a bee. All it does all day long... Pollinate and pollinate and give out sweet. Pollinate and pollinate and give out sweet. That's all it does. It doesn't know anything else. And God is making a statement. And God is saying that anything that its whole life, all it does is work for me, is work for my world. How could the product of that thing be not kosher? How could the product of something that its whole life, all it does is keep this world going? Pollinate the world? How could something like that, the derivative of that not be kosher? And anyone that comes to shul... Every Shabbos we make a Misha Beirach, and we say, call call ice cream at Tibur, anyone who works with the Tibur, because Baruchu Yisalim is God will pay you. Why only by Sachet Tibur God will pay you? One answer is that Sachet Tibur no one else is going to pay you. That's one answer. But the real answer is, because the person who's, who works at Sachet Tibur, he's a bee. He's busy going, let me help this lady, let me help this person Let me do tzedakah, let me learn with this guy Let me do this chesed, let me help this, let me help that, let me help this Let me go visit my grandmother I don't have to go to the hospital Let me help my parents So he's very busy, he's very busy Because Baruch says I have to, you're my bee So don't worry about your kids People are busy with tzachet tzibah They're worried about their kids, they don't have so much time Because Baruch says the, the derivative, what comes from you, has to be sweet Has to be honey so a person who's very busy Helping other people Don't worry Don't worry It can't From you can Nothing can come out Even if you're a sheretz Nothing can come out from you That's not going to be good And therefore we sit Specifically Rosh Hashanah And we say HaKadosh Baruch I wasn't so good this year Maybe I'm a sheretz Like a bee I'm a low life But Hashem I helped this one And I helped that one And I helped this one so remember the bee remember the rule of the bee the rule of the bee is it's not kosher but what comes out of it is kosher so so give me a good year because my whole life I'm busy helping take the physical part of this world and make it spiritual How, how many times do we buy flowers God has created such an unbelievable word you go to buy flowers for Shabbos you make flowers holy everyone else Valentine's Day that poor rose that rose doesn't become holy on Valentine's Day it was physical and it's always going to be physical and when a non-Jew takes an apple, he doesn't make a bracha, because he doesn't have to make a bracha. That apple, Nebuchadnezzar, that apple, but that apple, for whatever reason, there's, there's a part of the world that doesn't need to be changed spiritually. That apple stays physical. We go to the bathroom, the lowest part of the human being. We go to the bathroom. You come out, and you make a bracha. Even the act of going to the lowest part of a human being, going to the bathroom. Hashem said you could take Going to the bathroom and make it spiritual. Try to explain that to a non-Jew. They'll tell you it's blasphemy. Going to the bathroom? It's spiritual? I'm not going to be part of that religion. And we walk out and we make a bracha. And what a bracha. And we take that going to the bathroom that I just went, and come out of the bathroom, wash my hands, and I make a bracha to and that's the potential of a human being, taking from the lowest point, the lowest point, and making it to the highest point. And therefore, what are we here for? What are we created for? We're created to dip an apple in honey make a boy create. We're created to say, yeah, he rots on a pomegranate. Yes, you could took a, turn a pomegranate into 613 mitzvahs. Because what's a mitzvah? A mitzvah is spiritual. So when you eat a pomegranate, you say, yeah, he on, you just took a pomegranate and made it spiritual. You could take the brains of a, of a, of a fish, of a whitefish or a carp. And you can make a Yihi ye- Watson on it. You can make it holy. So we want to remind Hashem, we want to have a good year. We don't want it to destroy this world. We want to remind Hashem, we're doing it. So we're going to take all these innate objects. All these objects of food. And we're going to turn them holy. We're going to make them holy. And then tomorrow I'm going to go to Shul. And I'm going to take sound. Sound. Listening to a shofar. coal cold shofar. A sound. And I'm going to make it holy. And I'm gonna dab it and I'm gonna read it and I'm gonna use my eyes and I'm gonna use my ears and I'm gonna to walk to and I'm gonna use my whole body, the first half of Rosh Hashanah, I'm gonna make it holy. And therefore, the Aruch says when you walk out of there, you got nothing to worry about. Because if you can do that, I could say, we need her in the world. That's why I created the world. But it has to be Akkara Satov. We have to have appreciation. I'm gonna tell you a, a, a short story. You have to have appreciation. You can't come into Rosh Hashanah with a list. What a shopping list! I need a shidduch and I need a new dress and I need this and Shalom bias and I want this and I want this and I want this. It has to start with Akaras HaTov I'll bring you a proof to it. What is the first thing we say every morning? You say Modani every morning. What's Modani? You're asking for anything? No. Thank you very, very much, Hashem, for returning me my soul. A lot of love. I have a lot of belief in you. Have a good day, God. That's more than I need. No requests. You didn't go to the bathroom yet. You're filthy inside. You didn't wash Nagel You're filthy outside. You're chema. You're like, undone before he was created. You're a piece of clay. You're not allowed to dive in one word in the shul if you feel like you have to go to the bathroom. Out, out the door. Out the door. So why... In the morning, I gotta go to the bathroom. Everyone when they wake up has to go to the bathroom. I gotta go to the bathroom. Why? Let me go to the bathroom. Let me wash my hands. Put on my titses. Get a little holy. And I'll say, Moldani, when I get to shore. No. In your bed, without your yarmulke, you know the yarmulke malach, it's underneath the bed. It takes you, I always ask my mother, I go to suit my yarmulke, three bobby pins, and I find it across the room somewhere, every single night. So we know this, there's such a thing, and my mother told me there's a yarmulke malach. He goes in the room, he puts it on his head, he jumps around, and all of a sudden he has to run to Shemayim and falls on the floor. And I believed that till I was 35. I mean, don't I? <laughs> so, what's going on here? Why, why does our day start like this? Why does our day start, I'm not even clean, I'm not even holy. Right away, thank you very much. And the answer is, that if you don't say Moda all your other stuff, your Tfilin and your tits and your, and your Ashiyotza and your tilos, your daim and your Negevasa, Meaningless. It has to start with a Muldaani in the morning. If it doesn't start with a Modaani in the morning, the rest of it ain't going to happen. Why? Because moda ani is hakar satov. Moda is saying, thank you. What are you thanking Hashem for when you wake up in the morning? You're thanking Hashem that you're alive. That's it. What are you saying that? Thank you, Hashem, that I'm married? No. Nope. Thank you, Hashem, I have children? No. Nope. Thank you, Hashem, I have a good business? No. Nope. Thank you, Hashem, I'm good looking, I'm pretty? No. Nope. So what's the basis What's the main part of appreciation? Look at your modani. Thank you, Hashem. You gave me back my neshama potential. I got a whole new day ahead of me. Who knows what's going to happen? That's all you're thanking Hashem for. That's the connection. It's an unbelievable world. We all go through our stuff. And I'm not telling anyone. We all have our tsaras and we all have our stuff. And so did Adam. And he was right. She gave me to eat from the tree. He didn't say anything wrong. But he forgot to say the good parts. I'm trying to change. I spoke in a room full of psychologists and psychiatrists. And they were children's psychologists and children's psychiatrists. And a lot of them were marriage counselors. And they asked me to come speak. And I, I say, you know, like I'm a little bit out of the box, I, as you can see. I say what's in my heart. So I said, listen, I got a problem with what you guys do. Ooh so they already analyzed me at that point I was totally analyzed you have to remember this is the room I'm standing in so one lady said yeah you move around a lot he has ADD as you can see so they're analyzing me Baruch Hashem I had I, whatever I told the L-O-V-E fixes all those letters just give a little love and I said to them the following I don't understand marriage counselors you bring the couple to the marriage counselor I, I hope I'm not insulting anyone here if I'm wrong you'll tell me after the share that I'm wrong you bring them into the room, and you say to the wife, I deal a lot in Shalom biased, so I deal a lot with it. And I'm not saying they're, they're, they're marriage counselors are important, and psychologists are they're all important. And they do the right thing, I just wanted them to change one little thing. I said, I want to understand something. She comes into the room, he comes into the room. They don't like each other at the moment. That's why they're going to a marriage counselor. And the marriage counselor says, okay, you write five things you'd like her to change, and you write five things you'd like him to change. And the guys are always like, no problem. I don't change it. Nah, she's never home when I get there. Nah, she talks to her friends too much. He writes his five things down. Girl, they're a little like, you know, I can write three. I don't really want to hurt him. you can write three. Okay. She writes her five things down. Now she reads it. Okay, this is what your husband wants you to change. Put on makeup in the morning and you look like you just came out of uh, The Wizard of Oz and you're the scarecrow. <laughs> And be there when he gets home. And he's, he's, he, don't, he don't like her already as it is. And now she's giving him five more reasons he shouldn't like her. And then, oh yeah? Oh yeah? That's what you want me to change? But well, wait till you read the five things I wrote. And then he read. you know. He comes home, he's a slob. He should go to, he should brush his hair and tuck it himself in. Him. He's, and he's like, that I never thought you thought of me. Now I've had it. And what are you doing? What are you doing? Where's Tove? How's this going to work? No, let's do it a different way. As much as you're angry at her right now, there's got to be five things about her that make her special, that make her a little bit different than, than anyone else. Try to figure out five. Give me three. Give me five things that are special about her. And you, give me five special things about him. You know what? When they read this, you really, you really know that about me. It's a whole different scene. You're bringing two people together. You're showing our Satov. So let's stop with the five bad things. Let's write down the five good things about the other person. Ki-en ko She brought death. I'm going to have to work the rest of my life. But she's willing to give birth. I don't have to. That's my focus. And the same thing with children. Don't ask the children, tell me what your parents do wrong to you. Tell me what your parents do good for you. This generation is so busy about what the other person does wrong to me. Let's start focusing on what the other person does right for me. Sure, your teacher's mean and sure she did this, but one day when you weren't feeling well, she spotted you and she said, "You don't look well. I'm going to call your mother. I'm going to take you home." Everybody forgets about that, and that's how we disconnect from our Shmuel. And therefore, first thing we do in the morning to train ourselves: you may have had a bad day, you may have had a bad night. Hashem, I'm alive. I'm alive. I have crazy potential. I'm going to see colors. I'm going to smell things. I'm going to hear things. It's wonderful. I'm alive. People run to movies. Everyone's going to the movies. Movies are fake. What are you going to see? Some guy in in California came up with an idea and he wrote a story. And why did he write the story? Because he cares about you? No, to sell tickets. I'm not going to write it the way you want. I'm going to write it the way I want so I can sell more tickets. So why do they show movies in the dark? Because they minute you turn on the light, the movie's over. Hashem put a huge projector and a beautiful movie for all of us. It's Rosh Hashanah, everybody. He created a world. It's not a movie. It's real. We're running to see the fake world. It's real. And you're the actors, everyone in this room. We are the actors in this world. And He gave us colors. And He gave us food. And He gave us ear. And He gave us to hear music. And to talk, and to have emotions. He gave us so much. And we're running out of the world. Turn off the lights. Put on my video. I don't like this world. I'm going to go into the fake world. What are you doing? That's why he brought us here? That's the connection? That's what Shoshana? That's what next year, I'm going to look at you and say, I want her still in my world. Because she's running to a movie? She's running out of my world? That's why I should keep her in my world? What does she want? They created her everything. You want flowers? Go to Central Park. Go to a flower store. When was the last time you walked to a flower store and counted all the different colors in the flower store? Roses, this red, that red, that red, this red, tulips a different red. Why does she do that? There's nothing else to do. Let's color? Because Baruch put us into this world, he made us a beautiful, beautiful world. Yes, there are tsaras. I'm not telling you there aren't. But that's why we're here and we're asking for another year. So you want to know the secret of getting another year and having a good life? Dip the apple in the honey. Take the physical human being and put him in the drash. Put him in the sweetness. What's the sweetness? The sweetness is this world. That's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. I'll tell you a very big secret and I'll leave you with this. A very big secret in Tila. and about Moldani. There's a little boy this goes back before this time. Now you go, you want to buy a newspaper. Where do you buy a newspaper? You go to the newspaper stand across the street on Broadway and you buy yourself a newspaper. In the old days, when I was growing up, there was a thing called the newspaper boy. He used to get up at 4.30 in the morning, had a big basket in front of his bicycle, piled up the newspapers, and you'd hear a clunk every morning at 4.30 when that thing hit, hit your door. Some of the greatest football quarterbacks, some of the greatest baseball players, were newspaper boys as kids, and that's when they realized they had a good arm. These kids could throw from their bicycle, speeding at 80 miles, boom, right on your door, smack. They used to make a nickel a week. That's what they made. Get up at 4.30 in the morning. Well, there's this little cute kid. He's all of eight years old. He used to do, he was a newspaper boy. And he delivered newspapers all over his city, but his city was the capital of the country. And the king lived in that city. And the king, at 4.30 in the morning, was sitting in his garden, quiet. A whole day, everybody's bothering war, not war, this guy did this, this guy did this, can you do this for me, can you do this? A whole day everybody's nudging the king. 4.30 in the morning the king's sitting in his, his garden with his gate, quiet, having a little tea, and his little boy would drive by every morning. And he would say, king, you're the man. You are the man. You are the king. I love you. And, and, and we have such a beautiful school I go to and, and my basketball team is so great and all the kids, we always talk about you. You're the best king that ever lived. Have a good day. And he would give him the newspaper, of course. He wouldn't charge him. And he would ride off on his bicycle. And the king would smile every morning. Cute kid. And one day, this kid's father, they were, they were very poor. That's why he was delivering papers. They were very poor. His father was a big potato farmer. And he used to sell his potatoes very cheap for the peasants. He used to sell his potatoes very cheap. The prime minister of the country also was a potato, had a potato farm. He called in this boy's father and he said to him, Listen, you're selling it too cheap you got to raise your prices. He said, I can't. I sell it to the poor people. If I'm going to raise my prices, they're going to starve. I can't do it. And the prime minister said, if you don't do it, you're going to pay a big price. I can't do it. And he went home. Two days later, the police come and they arrest this this boy's father. And they throw him into the deepest dungeon. They had a real bad dungeon. And once you're thrown into the dungeon, you're finished. They don't give you to eat. They don't give you to drink. Four days, five days, you're dead. But the boy's father wasn't upset because he was, through his potato... He was a good friend with the minister of interior, and he called his friend the minister of interior. Says, "You got to go to the king and get me out. I never did anything wrong. I don't know why they arrested me. Go to the king and get me out." And the minister says, uh, "Me and the king, I'll get you out." So he comes to the palace. He gets past all the guards. He's the minister of interior, and he comes to the door of the king. And he's about to knock, and there's the prime minister. He says, "What are you doing here?" He says, "I got to go speak to the king. Why do you have to speak to the king?" Oh, there's a guy you don't know. There's a guy in the dungeon. I got to get him out. He goes, "Oh, I'm really sorry, but the king, we're preparing for war." the king's not going to see anyone for three months three months, the guy in three days is going to be dead I can't help you, you cannot go see the king the the minister of interior comes running back he goes inside, he tells the the, the old man he says I'm really sorry, this never happened before I can't get to the king, there's no way the door's locked, the prime minister's standing I can't get to the king ah, the prime minister's standing there he warned me that he's going to get me for not lowering my prices but it's okay, I got another friend and he calls his friend the lawyer. This guy was the king's lawyer, played golf with him every Sunday. And the lawyer showed him and says, What can I do? He says, You gotta go to the king, you gotta get me out. Huh. No problem. I am the king's lawyer, and we play golf together. I'll just get in there and I'll whisk you right out. Goes up, goes through all the doors. There's the Prime Minister, and the lawyer says, Can I go see the king? And the Prime Minister says, No. We're preparing for war. He says, War? I just played last Sunday. You didn't say anything about war. Yeah, something that just came up. You can't go three months. He goes back to the old man and he says, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And the old man realizes it's over, he's going to die. That, those were his two connections. And the next morning, the little boy rides a little bicycle past the king, and instead of, I love you, you're the man, you're the greatest, his father just got put in the dungeon. He drives by, and he takes the paper, and he just flicks it at the king. Eh, have a good day. And he keeps driving, and the king jumps out of his chair, runs out of the garden and says, get back here, front center, now! And the king says, no, no. Get here now, I'm the king right now. And the king, oh, the king drives back, and the kid drives back. What? He says, what's up with this? Every morning I love you, you're the best, you're the greatest. Today, have a good day. What's going on? No, listen, you're the king, it's 4 30 in the morning, I don't want to be one of those people that bothers you all the time. I can't tell you. He says, you don't understand. If it wasn't for you, my whole day is different. The reason I have a whole day that I can have is because you're here every morning and I see that little smile and I say that little thanks and you don't ask me for anything. You're the man. Now what's going on? And the, and, and the kid's like, I'm the man? You, you like my smile? The king says, you're the only person every day. You don't ask me for anything. You just tell me you love me. I, haven't, I don't hear that from anyone else. And the kid says, well, if, if you really want to know, king, my father... They took him away and they put him in the dungeon. The king says, What? Yeah, they said that you said that he should be in the dungeon. What? I don't even know who you're from. Let's go right now. He takes the kid, and if you could imagine, the king never walks into the dungeon. All of a sudden, the king is at the gate of the dungeon. The guards are standing there like, Get out of the way, the king's here. And everyone starts to murmur, The king's here. Who's the king here to take out? And the king walks straight with this little kid walking with him, walks straight, and takes the father out and frees him. Father goes home, he says, I gotta make a say, saida. I gotta make a, a, a party to thank God that I got saved from the dungeon. So he throws this big party. In walks the minister of interior, walks over to the father and says, listen, you gotta tell me who got you out. Who is more powerful than me? Is there a new minister? A new connection? A back connection? What's going on in the kingdom? Who is it? Who got you out? He's like, you're not gonna believe me. No, no, tell me! you see my little boy there in the corner eating ice cream and it's all over his chin like dripping on his shirt <laughs> he got me out and the minister says so you don't want to tell me so you're in with them you don't want to tell me who got you out don't tell me who got you out we'll see when you need me next time and he walks away and the father's like I told him the truth what should I do in walks the lawyer runs over to the guy says so there's a new lawyer right he's getting a new golf partner right come on come on, come on. who got you out who got you out he's like oh I'm going to go through this again he says, yeah. you see the kid in the corner now, he's blowing his nose on a Kleenex, that little guy. And the kid's like, eh, huh? right? He says, he got me out. <laughs> oh, so you don't want to tell me who the new lawyer is? You don't want to tell me who the king's new golf partner is? You want to be like that? Next time you need me, we'll see what happens. And he walks away. And the father's like, how do you explain that the biggest lawyer and the biggest minister couldn't get me out and my little son got me out? I, I'm not going to be able to explain it to him. And there's a knock on the door and who walks in? The king. And everyone's like, whoa, the king coming into a peasant's house out in the, in, the, in the farm? Never happened before. And everyone's looking around, is he here for me? Who's he here for? And the king walks over to the little sniveling kid in the corner. He says, come here, come here, come here. And he gives him a big hug and a big kiss. And everyone's like, what is going on here? And the king turns around and says, yeah, yeah, you're all wondering. You're all wondering how, why I took this man out. He says, I'll tell you why I took this man. See this little boy, his son? every single day since I know him I love you you're the best I love you you're the best and I get a smile I'll do anything for this kid anything in my kingdom I will do for this child and the lawyer's like I can't believe it it's true and the minister I can't believe it's true and the king gives him a big hug and a kiss on his keppel, and he walks out and everyone's just in amazement but, but he's not he's not royalty how do he get into the king and they're like, they're like in total amazement This story is brought down by the Dugma Amagid, And the Dugma Amagid says the following. Sometimes we go to rabbis. Rabbis, bracha, power bracha is huge. Kubalim, shiduchim, whatever we need. We go to different people, great people. And their brachas are great. And sometimes they're able to get to the king. But there are times that there's a gezerah on Klayushal, on the Jewish nation or on that person. And the door is shut. And the prime minister, the satan stands by the door when the teela comes up he says uh, uh 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 you cannot see the king and he rips that teela into little pieces for whatever reasons all of us we do bad things so our tulis you know the mouth that talks Lashon Hara the Tula comes out of that mouth it sort of has a infection and it doesn't always get to Shemayim and a lot of our tulas don't make it to Shemayim so we go to rabbis and many times the rabbis down for us and my rab- the rabbi promised me promise me a shidduch this year didn't happen promise me this person was going to live they died what's going on? and the answer is that sometimes because of the things we do Shemayim's closed so the sultan says get depressed everybody because your prayers don't always get to where they're supposed to go so you know what? what's the use of praying? so the dunbar says how do you get around the prime minister? how do you get around all those malachim that take away your prayers and smash them into little pieces. You go to the king every single morning. And you say, good morning. I love you. Thank you for giving me life. Have a good day. That's it. That's the secret of Modani. And it's so powerful that the Chachamim say, don't wait till you wash your hands. Don't wait till you go to the bathroom. Because once you get to that point, the Tzfilas, they have to get past the prime minister. And there's all kinds of stuff that has to go through. But at that point in the morning, it's you and the king. Good morning, I love you, thank you for giving me life. Let's see what happens today. Every single day. So what happens when that person had a bad night or a bad day before? There's a tragedy in their family. So every day, they get out of their bed, especially after this year, they're going to say, Modani And some of the girls are going to dance around the room. And that's what Hashem wants. But today I don't feel like it. Because something bad happened. So today I'm just going to say, "Okay, Have a good day God, I'll see you later. Because I'm a human being and I had a very bad night and a very bad day before. Or something tragic happened in my family. I can't just get up and say, I love you, you're the best, you're the man. I just don't feel like it today. So what's going to happen on that day? That day that you had a bad day. You're going to wake up in the morning, and you're not going to be the little boy. You're going to be the little boy that day when he said, hey, here's your paper, have a good day. You're not going to have to pray to Hashem that he should help you. He's going to come with his malachim and say, Miriam, get back here, front center. Why aren't you singing this morning like you sing every day? No, Hashem, you're not. uh, No, you don't understand. You're a curse, I told your appreciation, that's the connection why I created the world. I need that every day. And if there's something bothering you, what's bothering you? We're going to fix it right away because tomorrow I want you dancing in your room again. So what's the secret of Rosh Hashanah? What am I giving you here tonight? I'm giving you a crazy secret. What's the secret of living another year? Dancing on Rosh Hashanah and saying, thank you, Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I love you. You're the man. I should say, I want to hear that next year again. I want to hear that next year again. I want Miriam to stand there in Shul next year and say, you're the man. I love you. I'm connected to you. I'm going to spend my year taking the physical things in this world and making them spiritual. I'm an Adam, not an Afar. I appreciate my parents. I appreciate everybody. I'm connected and I'm going to connect you. Baruch. Then you're guaranteed. How does that start? With an apple. With a simon. It's a sign. But I appreciate I'm taking this apple and I know that this is not just an apple, Hashem. Yehi I could say Yehi Ratzan on an apple. I don't have to fast like Yom Kippur and then say Yehi Ratzan. Yom Kippur is a different day. Yom Kippur, we're Malachim. Malachim, don't eat. Malachim, don't drink. Malachim, fast. Rosh Hashanah is the day of creation of man. And we're celebrating the day of creation of man. And therefore, what is the man created for? To take... Physical things that make him spiritual. So it's late, it's very late. So I've given this speech many times. This is not the first time. And people walk out and, hey, he said some interesting stuff. And they're a little bit turned on, you know, my relationship is going to be different. I'm going to say thank you. And it fades. It fades. And everybody, Gowas is going to speak. Everybody, and everybody said, I spoke here last week. And you have Shurim here every Tuesday night. So how come we're not all changing like crazy? How come? How do we know that this Rosh Hashanah we're going to change? The first part of changing is having our Kharasotos. What I want to tell you, I'm going to end with this. I don't know if there's any lawyers in the room. Are there any lawyers in the room? Okay. Yes, it's not a lawyer joke, don't worry. So I just have to preface this by saying that you're never allowed to use what I'm about to say in court. <laughs> no, it's a, I'm saying it as a serious comment, okay? Never. So I have a student who went, through, went to law school, he's a lawyer today, he's also a Rebbe, half a day. R'a Hashem, he followed his Rebbe's footsteps, half a day he's a Rebbe, half a day he's in business, he's a lawyer. And he had an amazing professor in law school. And he went to a class called Coaching the Client It's good, it's good to be a law, great lawyer But your client, that you have to coach him So he said over a story like this And I'm going to end with the story I think it's a very important story Going into Rosh Hashanah And whoever went to law school Might have heard this story It's a true story So there was this very powerful political man Who was arrested On murder Of a 17 year old girl He was accused of murder He was very wealthy, was a very powerful politician he went out, he got himself the best lawyer the lawyer took a five million dollar retainer, pretty good lawyer, probably the best lawyer in America and anyone who ever had this lawyer never lost a case going against this powerful five million dollar lawyer was a little schnook assistant DA kid just out of of law school and the press said, you know, this this is not fair this is David and Goliath I mean, this five million against this assistant DA but that's the way it fell and this guy sat in his chair this politician who was accused of murder he sat in his chair all pompous I got the man I got nothing to worry about a jury six men six women sitting there and the case begins and the DA gets up and he insists in the DA and he says calls a woman he says you're a witness she gets up and he says so you went past the room where the the accused murdered this girl and you said you heard screams what time was that? And she says, 3 o'clock, whatever she says. Okay. Cross examination, the $5 million lawyer gets up, cross examination, says to the lady, so 3 o'clock it was, wasn't it? She goes, yes. What kind of watch are you wearing? She goes, a swatch. She goes, a swatch. <laughs> a swatch. And how do you know that it was 3 o'clock, not 3.01? Did you check that swatch? It was like with the cops with the radar. Did you check that swatch the day that you were? Walking past this murder. How do you know that you weren't two or three minutes off? And everyone's sitting in the corner. What is he doing? Of course, examining a Watch, watch. I mean, give me a break. It's a $5 million lawyer. And he made a chalicek. He made a joke out of the whole case. And this assistant DA is getting up there. And he's bringing this proof and that proof and this proof and this proof. And this $5 million lawyer, he's getting up. He's asking the most ridiculous questions that you ever heard. And the press is out there. And they don't understand. And this guy's sitting there, this politician. He's sweating. What's up with this guy? $5 million. And he keeps giving something, do something. He's like, you paying me? Don't worry about it. Finally, the case is over. The jury's sitting there like, this man murdered the 17-year-old girl. There's nothing to talk about. It's black and white. Okay. Judge gets up and says, okay, to the DA, summation. Little DA gets up. He's well, Now he's feeling a little, little energized. You know, this guy did nothing to him. Gets up in front of the jury and says, do you know what this man took away from that girl? Never to be married, never to have children, never to be out with a boyfriend, never to have life. He took away not a moment; he took away a lifetime. I move that you, the jury, find him guilty of murder, punishable by the electric chair by death. And he's out of breath, and he's all excited. And the jury sitting there, they can't shake their, and they're like, "Oh, is this guy dead? Oh, we're going to fry him. We're going to so fry him. He is so guilty." And the judge turns to the $5 million lawyer who just made a joke out of the whole thing. And says, summation. And he gets up and he turns to the judge and the jury and he says, and the press. He says, yeah, 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 all you guys are wondering why I'm cross-examining a swatch. He says, I wasn't going to waste your time or my time. You see, two days ago, the case started. I got a phone call from the girl who supposedly was murdered. You see, she just ran away from her parents... I went to Mexico. There is no victim. Therefore, there is no murder. What time is it? Two o'clock? Um, I got a text message a few hours ago. She will be in the courtroom at three. So I think that we should just wait till she gets here. And uh, we're going to find out there's no victim and there is no case. And he looks at the assistant D and he goes, Now nah, how do you feel, kid? And the jury's sitting there and they're like, Oh my God, we were going to kill... And innocent a man, we were going to put him on the electric chair. And they can't believe it. And it's 3 o'clock. And everybody's looking at the back door. They're all watching. And it's 3.15. And it's 3.30. And it's a quarter to four. And she's not coming through that door. And everyone's waiting. Finally, the judge says, I don't know what this guy's up to. Listen. Summation now. If she walks in, she walks in. You have to do summation now. Or you're getting contempt of court. Lawyer says, okay, no problem. Turns around, remember you can't use this. Turns around, Oh, goes over to the jury and says, you're American citizens? Yes. Do you know the American laws? Yes. Is it true or is it not true that before you find someone guilty, they have to be guilty beyond a reasonable doubt? Yes. Is it true that all of you were looking at that door for the last hour? Yes. Well, if you were so sure that she was dead, why were you looking at the door? It means you had a doubt. It means there's a reasonable doubt. If there's a reasonable doubt, you have to find my client innocent. And the judge and the jury are like, oh my God, he tricked us. (laughs) But law is law. And the truth was, the judge was looking at the door and the jury was looking at the door. And therefore that meant that they believed that there was some chance that she was going to walk through the door. And that's reasonable doubt. The judge says... I know why he gets five million dollars, and the press is flying, flying. What a brilliant move! And the judge says, "Okay, go into the jury room, come back out. You know what you got to do. That's the law. And you had a reasonable doubt. Do what you got to do, and come back out. Let's find this guy not guilty, and let's get this case out of here." So they go into the room. They come back out two minutes later. The lawyer's walking around. He's all happy with himself. Nebach, the poor assistant DA, his head's in the book. They sit down, jury person gets up and says, we the jury find so-and-so guilty of murder punishable by death. And the whole courtroom is in a total uproar. And the judge turns to the jury and says, you can't do that. You you guys are looking at the door. And the jury person says, we'd like to explain how we came to our verdict. She says, I'd like to introduce you, Mary, sitting next to me. And this young 19-year-old girl gets up. She says, you see, I got them to go guilty. You see, when everybody was looking at the door, I was looking at him. And he didn't turn around once. From 3 o'clock till 4 o'clock, he didn't turn around once to look at that door. And the only person in this room that wouldn't look at that door is the person that knew she wasn't coming through that door. And the only person that knows that she's not coming through that door is the one that murdered her. So I wasn't looking at the door, I was watching him. And the lawyer, the $5 million lawyer, runs over to his client and says, You idiot! <laughs> if you would have turned around for one second and looked at the door, we'd be out the door! And therefore the, the professor that was giving the class turned to the class and said, It's not good enough to be a good lawyer. You've got to coach the client. He was a brilliant lawyer, but he didn't tell the client what to do. When I heard this story, it rocked me. And it explained to me something I never understood. You can get up and you can speak to people. And people can read and want to change. And you can tell them about potential. I can tell you about your potential and how great you are. And it still doesn't happen. And the answer is that so many of us hear this. But we don't turn around to look at the door. We don't believe the story that we're being told. It's very nice. Rabbi is a good lawyer. He gave a good cheer. Rabbi Gowas is a great lawyer. Rabbi Younger is an awesome lawyer. They're great. They give great speeches. But if you don't believe what I'm telling you tonight, the case is lost. You have to turn and look at the door. You have to look at yourselves. I could tell you potential, 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 potential. But if you don't look in your heart and find your own potential, I'm wasting my time. I'm a good lawyer. But you don't turn around. The jury's going to say guilty. Rosh is going to come back guilty. you got to stand in front of Hashem and say, I believe I can connect to you. I have a karsat I believe that I can take my life that's physical and turn it into spiritual. You have to look at the door. That's why Mashiach's not here, guys and girls. We say every morning, I believe, I believe, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, but I believe he's coming. And everybody says it, everybody says it. How many of us have a suitcase at the door? How many of us are really ready for Mashiach? When Mashiach comes, you have to be on a high spiritual level. You can't be walking out of a movie theater. What happens if the chauffeur blows and you're in the movie theater? What happens if you're in the club, in the bar? If you're on your iPod What happens? You're not ready Everyone thinks Mashiach It's just going to be wonderful It's going to be beautiful You have to be ready You have to look at the door If you really mean He's coming through the door Am I ready for him To come through the door? So most of us Don't look at the door We're like that guy Good lawyer Good story I believe Mashiach's coming We want Mashiach now Did you do something? Did you show Hashem Did you really believe He's coming? Did you change? Did you change who you are because you really believe it? No. That's what we have to do. we got to bring Mashiach, girls and boys. I am a rabbi that's in the trenches. I'm the rabbi in the trenches. You don't know anything about me. I live in the trenches, 3, 4 o'clock. I watch our children. I watch what happens to our children. I watch them in Nebuchadnezzar hospitals, ODing. I watch anorexic girls. I'm busy with guys that are, I don't even want to say. Klay falling apart, guys. We're falling apart. There's so many Jews marrying non-Jews. We're losing more than we lost in the 6 million in, in the Holocaust. Everyone's remembering the Holocaust. We are in a Holocaust. We are in a Holocaust. Do you know that? Do you know how many people don't even know they're Jewish anymore? Do you know how many kids I'm working with? That their mother is a guy and their father is a Jew or vice versa? Do you know the assimilation in America? Do you know the suffering and the pain? I spoke in, in a Beis Yaakov camp this summer and they were all sitting there and I said, do you know what's across the Catskills? There's a Camp Simcha. Do you stand there in the morning when you brush your hair and say so across the Catskills, there's a bunch of girls that don't have hair? Do you appreciate what you have? How are we going to put an end to that? Camp Simcha is getting bigger and bigger. Chai Lifeline is getting bigger and bigger. Women that are Egunos are getting bigger and bigger. People who don't have Shalom bias, people who don't have children, Guys losing their jobs, children on the street. It was never like this. Okay, so what are we doing about it? We have to bring Mashiach. How do we bring Mashiach? We change. We look at the door. We look at ourselves. We come to Rosh Hashanah and say, this year is going to be the year of Mashiach, not because some guy told me it, because I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make a change but you have to believe it I could tell it to you all night you have to turn around and look at the door and if we look at that door Hashem, and we believe each one of us Mashiach has to come it's brought down it's a very deep word but Mashiach has to come for every Jew separately before he comes for every Jew together it's a very deep word it's not fair Mashiach is going to come and all those Jews are going to be left out every, if every Jew would bring his Mashiach would look inside themselves and say God I can't believe how I treated you this year all the beautiful colors and sights and things. You gave me eyes to see. I looked at the wrong things. You gave me ears to hear. I listened to the wrong things. You gave me hands. I used them wrong. I used my legs wrong. I used everything wrong. Hashem, I can't believe what I did to you. Hashem, I want to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to change one thing. I'm going to bring Mashiach to me. I'm going to change something. Hashem, I love you and I thank you. And, 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 and You're just the greatest king that ever lived. Look at this world you created for me. What a crazy world. If we do that and we bring the Mashiach for each one of us... Individually, we'll bring the Mashiach. This will be the year of Mashiach. And we will all be there. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com.